How do you follow that? I don't, not sure, but we're going to attempt. That's for sure. So yeah, I would highly encourage you. There's a table with flowers on it out in the lobby. Sign up there and you can just sign up, not saying I'm going to hard commit, but just like, hey, I want to know more about this. That would be great. We, we need your help. We have lots of kids and today is a smaller week, believe it or not. And March, April, May historically is the largest attended months of our church. Um, so we really need your help. So uh, sign up if you can. Uh, the gospel project that they're going through. Um, it's incredible. So what it does, this curriculum, they walk through the Bible, um, but as they walk through the Bible and every part of it, they're pointing it to the work and the person of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's essentially what we're doing in here too. We're walking through the Bible and pointing to Jesus. So love that. Be a part of that if you're able to. All right. I'm going to transition rather abruptly. We're in Daniel 4. Um, so if you want to turn to Daniel 4, we've been walking through Daniel um, and I want to I want to tell you while you're turning there I want to tell you about someone who's who's intrigued me over the years, and that's Kanye West. Okay, now if you don't know who Kanye West is, uh, he is a hip hop artist. Okay, rap something like that. Um, and uh, one of the one of the first songs first hit songs he had was called Jesus Walks, which obviously got my attention. Right. So I listened to it. There's actually some true things about Jesus. There's also some not good things in the song, to be frank. Um, but it was like, what? What's his? De- he has some sort of fascination with Jesus, but but yet he is he is not there, right? He's, he's not following Jesus, um, at least from what I can tell. But yet within this past year, he came out with this album called Jesus is King, um, which is a Christian album, um, and has said that hey, I am following Jesus. That's his story. I can't see Kanye West's heart. Let it be known that I do not know where Kanye West is spiritually. However, from what he says and what he's doing now, it seems like he's gone from, yeah, Jesus, I'm, I'm intrigued by Jesus, to now he's my king. Now, Jesus said some really hard things. Okay? A couple of those were this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, you don't see that stitched on blankets, all right? The gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Those are some hard words. Why does Jesus say stuff like that? Here's why. Because just being entertained or intrigued by Jesus doesn't mean that you've made him king of your life. Okay, Americans, by and large, even the American church, if I can be so bold to say this, have this view of God as being cool or neat. But they don't actually view him for what he is, king, lord of of everything. And so what we're going to see in Daniel 4, we're going to see a transformation of King Nebuchadnezzar. He goes from, from having this view of God as, oh, he's cool. I'm intrigued by him. To 
to God is now my king. And maybe I was just sleeping during um, my class over Daniel in in Bible college, because I've done a fair amount of study in Daniel, and I never realized that Daniel 4 is actually an autobiography of sorts. King Nebuchadnezzar is telling us uh, his life story, and particularly how he was humbled by God. And it's, it's an incredible story. And he sends this letter out to everyone in his kingdom. It's a bold move. But here he is. Look, Daniel chapter 4, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that, that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. This is God's story. If I was to... If I was to just put a label for this chapter, I'd say, hey, this is Nebuchadnezzar's God story, my journey from God is cool to God is king. So he has this view to begin with that God is cool. And he didn't just get there overnight. We saw this the last couple of weeks. Chapter two, he, he has this dream and he tells he tells his, his magicians and sorcerers, these, these, these wise dudes, he's like supposedly, and he's like, hey, I need help. Not just understanding my dream, but you need to tell me what I dreamed and then give me the interpretation. They're like, we can't do that. That's not possible. And Daniel comes in and does it because God gives him that. And Daniel makes it clear this was God who did it. So at this point, he's like, huh, Daniel's God. Wow. He interesting. He praises him. He blesses him. But and then but we see a couple of verses later, at the beginning of chapter 3, he's now building a statue of himself, or we don't know if it was of himself, probably of himself, and says, hey, you need to bow down and worship it. You need to bow down and worship me. So clearly, God is not king to him. He is king to him. He is God to him. But by the end of chapter 3, again, he's praising God. And so we see this kind of back and forth, this roller coaster journey. Because when God is cool in your life, you're entertained by God. You see some cool things He's doing, you hear some stories of what Jesus did that are rather undeniable, and you're like, huh, that's interesting. But then you just keep living life like normal. And you are still your God. You're entertained by God. That's what happens when God is just cool in your life. You're entertained by Him. And then we see, verse 4, He's comfortable. Verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. See, when God is cool in your life, you just stay comfortable. Why? Because you're God. For King Nebuchadnezzar, he was God of his life. He was God of his heart. And so he stays comfortable and tries to get more comfortable. I'm at ease. I'm prospering. Because that's what life becomes about. When God is not king of your life. It's about me. I'm going to get comfortable. I'm going, to, I'm going to pile up everything I can. All the power, the prestige, the comforts I can have. This is great. But that doesn't last. As we see, verse 5. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. Okay, so he goes. He goes from being at ease to being alarmed and afraid by this dream. Now, sometimes I think we, we preach through the English Standard Version, the ESV, which is a great translation. However, sometimes I think that it should be called the British Standard Version. Um, so, uh, as I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. I just, I thought that was the fancy. I, anyway, um, that's a side note. Anyway, the, the point is that he's alarmed, okay? He's like, he goes from, from just kicking it to like, whoa. 
what is going on. Because he has this dream. So verse 6, so I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Well, that's good. At least he just wants to know the interpretation. Maybe he's, he's eased up a little bit. Okay? You don't have to tell me the dream this time. Just tell me the interpretation, guys. Verse 7, then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me. He who was named Belteshazzar after the name of my God and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream and I saw, uh, that I saw in their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth And its height was great, and the tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and it it had food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree. And lop off its branches, strip off its, its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it, and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the field. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time, or seven years, pass over him. The sentence is is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, Daniel, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods lives in you. Nebuchadnezzar is desperate. He's desperate. He's, his back is up against the wall. He's, he's put in a hard situation. He's in trouble. He's in, he's in a corner. And so now he asks for help. See, that's what, that's what you do when God is only cool in your life. You only come to Him when you need help. You, you live desperately. You just live for yourself and then go, oh man, this is hard. Uh, I, I, I better consult Daniel because he even says three times in here, verse 8, verse 9, and in verse 18, hey, the spirit of the holy gods is in you. There's something different about this guy and he is connected to this God that I'm fascinated by and entertained by. I need help. So now I'm coming to him. He's, he's desperate. When God is only cool in our lives, we only come to him when we need him. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar does here. So we keep reading, verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. See, time out for a second. He's saying, Daniel, I know this message is probably not going to be easy for me to hear, but give it to me straight. Okay, and here's what I think. I think that Nebuchadnezzar actually knew what this dream meant or had a pretty good idea. 
I think he knew it was about himself, and he didn't want to face up to the facts. But he was desperate, so he consulted everyone else, and now he's coming to Daniel. And he's, gonna, he's like, just tell it to me straight, man. All right, so Bel- Belteshazzar, Daniel answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you, and it's interpretation for your enemies. you got to love Daniel. Okay, what, what a wise guy, very respectful. I, I think he had come to, to know and love Nebuchadnezzar at this point, even as a friend. And, and he's like, hey, uh, let this be for someone else, you know? Um, but yet he knows it's not for someone else, and he gives it to him straight. Verse 20, the tree you saw, which grew and became strong so that its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which food was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with the band of iron and bronze and the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven periods of time pass over him. This is an interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling will be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. You shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Daniel's now pleading with him. He interpreted the dream, and he's saying, hey, wake up, Nebuchadnezzar. I care about you. Turn around. He says, let my counsel be acceptable. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. See, what had happened in Nebuchadnezzar's life is that he became content with sin. And Daniel saw it. Daniel saw that Nebuchadnezzar had become really content with sin in his life. And he says, hey, repent. Turn around. Be done with that. And he says, hey, uh, the people that you are oppressing, he was probably oppressing people, uh, performing great injustices as king of Babylon. He's saying, turn away from that. You have the power. Use your power for good. Turn away from your sin. And in verse 28, we see that Nebuchadnezzar ignores Daniel. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. He did nothing about it. And that's what happens when God is cool in our life. We become really content with sin. And it's a dangerous, dangerous place to live. And we love to live there. Because it's our nature. Jen Wilkin who is doing, has authored the, the Genesis study that our women's ministry is going through right now. We're going to be doing Genesis after Daniel uh, as well in here. But I'm, I'm just going to steal an analogy from her because 
I'm giving her credit, so it's, I guess it's not stealing. But anyway, she found this story in the news. This actually happened. This guy, Antoine Yates, was mauled by a 500-pound tiger that he raised in his apartment in Harlem, New York in 2003. Okay, the story continues where his family was going to open up a zoo. So he bought this little tiger cub. He also bought, bought like three other wild animals. Ended up selling them because they decided not to do uh, the, the zoo as a family. But he was really attached to this tiger cub. So he, he raised it. And Jen Wilkins said this. Antoine didn't start with a full-grown tiger. But got it when it was a cub. When it's small, sin, we think, ah, it's not that big a deal. We keep petting it. And feeding it, and it grows. But sin isn't a cute pet on a leash. It's a predator, and it will consume us. Be quick to repent. See, that is what Daniel is saying to Nebuchadnezzar here. Quit being content with your sin. If you continue to coddle it, it will end up mauling you. Sin leads to death. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Quit being content with it. That's what he's saying. And that is what God is saying to us today. Now we all sin, right? But we're talking about sin that you know about and just go, I don't care, God. And you can continue to feed it and coddle it and do nothing about it. That's what we're talking about here. Unrepentant sin. When God is cool in your life, you become really content with it. And lastly, when God is cool in your life, you become very arrogant. Verse 29. At the end of 12 months, he, Nebuchadnezzar, was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. Listen to the arrogance. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? And while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men. And your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will. Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men. And ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. Isn't that a lovely picture? And when it says here he was wet with the dew of heaven, this doesn't mean mountain dew fell on him. Okay? No nectar of the gods here. We're, we're talking about he was acting like an animal. Out, he's living like an animal out in the wilderness. So when dew falls in the middle of the night, it's on him as well. He doesn't have shelter. He's, he's acting like an animal. And his, 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 his nails were like bird's claws. I mean, crazy stuff. So what's happening here? He's really arrogant. That's why all of this came upon him. Arrogance is an inflated view of yourself. But God comes in and gives him a deflated view of himself to help wake him up. It's, it's, it's like taking a, a, a pin to a balloon. That's what God is doing here. Now he does this with, we, we now have a name for this condition. It's called lycanthropy. And I don't know if I'm saying that right, but you can look it up later if you want. Or now. Um, but it's insanity. It's insanity. It, it is, you become delusional. 
and delusional in, in the way that you just start to view yourself as an animal. Okay, you, you, your thoughts are, hey, I am an animal, I'm going to act like an animal. And so that's what he does. Here's why I think God punished him in this particular way. It seems that God was shaking up King Nebuchadnezzar's sanity because Nebuchadnezzar actually already viewed himself insanely. Here's what I mean. Nebuchadnezzar viewed himself as, I am God. That is insane. It is insane for any person who's created to say, hey, I am the creator. And so because he was already thinking insanely and he didn't even realize it, he shook up his sanity to help him bring him back down to size. When God is cool in your life, you become very arrogant. And God will humble you if you don't turn and bend your knee and bow to him as king. And that is exactly what happens. But you'll notice... In Daniel 4, it starts and and ends, it's bookended by God being king of King Nebuchadnezzar's life. So let's read this. Let's let's go back to verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs. How mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion endures from generation to generation. See, God is his king. Now now fast forward to verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. He's saying now. And my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and He does according to His will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty... And splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me. And I was established in my kingdom. And still more greatness was added to me. Verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right. And his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. God is now king. And when God is king in your life. Instead of just being entertained by God, you become in awe of God. That's what happens here. You hear this, you see this throughout these sections, the beginning and the end. He is in awe of God. He's he's now saying things like like the song we're going to sing in a few minutes, canons, that you are holy, great, and mighty. The moon and the stars declare who you are. See, he's, he's just praising God. You are holy. He's in awe of God. He's not just like, oh, that's cool. Jesus did that. That's awesome. Oh, he even died on the cross. That's cool. It's like, oh my gosh, you died on the cross for me. And he's bending his knee and bowing his heart before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is what we're called to. That is what it means to follow Jesus. That is what it means to go from God is King to God is cool, is living every day. In awe of God. Not just on Easter. Not just on Sunday. Not just when we happen to think about God. 
But all of the time, it is a call to wholehearted surrender, wholehearted worship of the King of kings and Lord of lords every day of our life and being in awe of Him. Secondly, we see that when God is King in your life, you become a little uncomfortable. Think about this with me. King Nebuchadnezzar, verses 1 through 3, he says, hey, I'm writing this to everyone in my kingdom. And then he includes all of these embarrassing details about how he got humbled. Now, most autobiographies, if you've read many, try to exclude those sort of things. Or at least when they, when they touch them, they kind of gloss over it. Let's get to the, the good stuff. He doesn't do that at all. He gets a little uncomfortable. And he didn't have to write this and send this out to his whole kingdom, but he does. And that's what it means for God to be your king. That's what it means for Jesus to be your king. It means you get a little uncomfortable. See, we should have some holy discomfort going on in our lives if we're following Jesus. Because do you know what it means to follow Jesus? It means sacrifice. Think about this as well. He is saying to his whole kingdom. Remember, remember the Jews. Remember how I overtook that whole nation and enslaved a lot of them. They actually have the true God. How humbling is that? How uncomfortable would that make you? See, that's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to have God as king of your life and not just have him be cool. Getting a little uncomfortable. Thirdly, when God is king of your life, you become dependent. Verse 37, we see here, look at him. He he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. See, he's not just coming to God when he's desperate. He's not just coming to God to ask for help when his back is against the wall. He's now coming all the time. This is my life now. I am praising and honoring and making much of God because he's the king of kings. I am not. I am not God. I am dependent. And that's the call to you and I to live dependently on God. To have the attitude of, of that song that, where we go, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. Every minute I need you. Every second I need you. My one defense. My righteousness. Oh God, how I need you right now and right now and right now. See, it's dependence versus just desperation prayers. Every once in a while when you really need him. That's what it means to have God as your king. It means dependence. It means prayer. Fourthly, when God is king, you become discontent with sin in your life. Verse 37, he says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. How do you honor the king of heaven? You obey him. You deal ruthlessly with sin in your life. Become You have this holy discontentment for anything in your life that is not of God. And this one, this one is the one that is is really difficult for us. It's really difficult for me. It's really difficult for Americans because we love, we love, we love to coddle sin and call it something else. It's not actually sin. 
What in your life are you just putting up with? What sins in your life have you just let continue to grow and grow? I beg you, just like Daniel begged Nebuchadnezzar, I beg you to deal with those. Get some help. Find grace and mercy now because God will humble you. He promises in the Bible that He humbles the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself now before God has to. Sin leads down a dark path. You think it's great, it's, it's fun when it's small, and then it grows and grows and it eats you alive. I beg you, deal ruthlessly with sin in your life. We also see when God is king, you become humble versus arrogant. So look at verse 34. We see in verse 34... That God is king of his life at his lowest. Remember, he, he literally just got done being insane, acting like an animal. And the very next second, here he is. And he's praising God. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And that's great that he's doing that. He's at his lowest. He was just humbled. So if he wasn't doing that, we would think it a little insane. But then we see verse 36. Did you catch this? Everything. Everything was restored to King Nebuchadnezzar and more. But yet, in verse 37, at his highest, when things were great again, God is still king of his life. He's still praising and honoring and extolling the king of heaven. That's true humility. True humility is having a proper view of yourself and of God in the highs and the lows of life. The song we're about to sing, Canons, you are holy, great and mighty. The moon and the stars declare who you are. Ah, but then the next part, I am so unworthy, but still you love me. Forever my heart will sing of how great you are. See, that's, that's what Nebuchadnezzar is doing. He realizes, yeah, I, I am so unworthy. I am messed up. I am sinful. But yet, somehow... You care about me. You love me. And you are in control. So my heart is going to forever sing of you. You are my king. I am not. For everyone in this room, no matter where you are at, God has some work to do in cutting you down to size. We all think of ourselves more highly than we ought at points in our lives. And we always have a distorted view of ourselves. And God wants to speak truth into your heart and into your life today. And go, you know what? You are not that big of a deal. But yet, I love you so much that I sent my one and only son. Because you are of infinite value to me. Because you bear my image. And I love you so much that I died for you. So that you can become my son. You can become my daughter. And then we need to bow our knee. And say, yes, I am humbly your servant. And I, I am so amazed at your love for me. So where are you at? Where are you at in your journey? Is God just cool to you? I'm, I'm just going to make this assumption this morning. That if you're here this morning, to some degree, God is cool to you. Okay, 
you're at least interested in, in, in someone else here that, that uh, thinks God is, is, is fantastic or something. You, you have some level of interest in God. I'm just going to assume that. And, and if you don't, that's fine too. You are welcome here. I'm glad you're here. But where are you at in your journey? Is God just cool? Or is he your king? Because if God is just cool, and he's not your king, you're in trouble. You see, for me, I was at a point in my life, when I was a teenager, I came to know Jesus. And I, I loved Jesus, but then I had an opportunity. I was either going to go to camp and I was going to tell people, kids about Jesus all summer, or I was going to stay at home and focus on myself and play some tennis and my friends and all of this, and I was going to focus on me. And there's nothing wrong with playing tennis. I could have lived missionally there and shared Jesus with my friends there. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God made it clear. Matt, you are either going to live a sacrificial life for me and have that be the trajectory of your life or live for yourself. And it's the best decision I ever made. See, it's really when God became king. I chose to go to camp and do that. See, today might need to be that day for you. God is just cool to you. And God is going. He's standing at the door and he's knocking and goes, Hey, wake up. I am king. And I want to be king of your heart and of your life. Follow me today. Don't just say you follow me. Follow me today. Follow me tomorrow. More recently, I mean, this is, a, this is a journey, right? Going from God is cool to God is king. Yeah, there's a moment where you're like, yep, I'm all in. But then it's a, it's a battle every day, right? Because we want to just sink into, yeah, God's cool, whatever. I can get a little comfortable. And so for me, recently, it's just God is, is put it on my heart. Hey, I need to be more, you need to be more consistent and intentional in your prayer life, Matt. And that's hard to even admit as a pastor, Right? But it's like, no, I need to, I don't need to say I'm praying for people. You need to pray for people. He's been working on me with, with my phone. I'm so addicted to that thing sometimes, right? It's like, no, I have some boundaries in place. Stick to those boundaries. Not so that I'm not uh, attached to a phone, so that I, I am loving my wife better. So I'm loving my kids better. So I'm being more just actually with people when I'm with them. That's how you love people. He's, he's been putting on my heart, God, I need to get some people in my life to mentor me, to counsel me, to learn from. Because naturally, I just want to do it on my own. I want to figure this out on my own, just, on my own and just lead and just go for it. And, get, and God's like, nope, you need other people in your life speaking into, into your life. Put yourself in that position. So I've been trying to do that. What does it look like for you? What's God calling you to today. You know, a question we ask of people here while we're uh, interviewing them, determining if we're going to baptize them or not, is this question. What did you give up to follow Jesus? Here's why we ask that. It's one thing to say, I believe in Jesus. It's another thing to sacrifice for Jesus. And that is the call. That's what it means to follow Jesus. See, Jesus did not rise I'm sorry, he didn't die on a cross and rise from the dead so we could go, wow, that was really cool. He is, he is a cool dude. No, Jesus died and rose from the dead so that we would go, he is my king. 
and I'm going to live like it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for King Nebuchadnezzar's humble example for us, God. I pray that you do some work on our hearts today, Lord. We need your help. We need you to actually be our king, God, and not just, not just say you're our king, not just be fascinated by you, God. So wake us up. Shake us out of our, our comfortable lives and help us get a little uncomfortable and do some radical things in response to your great love for us, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.